Welcome back. Eighth edition, Ballin' Ain't a Hobby. Nice to see everybody here. What up, what up, what up? First things first, you already know the deal. We're going to tell you guys to follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube, and follow us on Instagram, Ain't a Hobby. Make sure you follow us, and we're going to be dropping more and more stuff, the more stuff we do. And today, it's actually a pretty special episode. We're going to be going over our first quarter awards. We're going to be talking rookie of the year so far. We're going to be talking most improved. It's a hot subject, most improved. MVP, which everyone loves to talk about MVPs. And finally, defensive player of the year, because... You know, defense wins championships. Tell that and, to the Nets. Yeah, tell that to everyone except the Nets, except the Nets. But let me introduce, you know, I got Gene, the Dream, LaRusso hey. on one end. And then I got Brandon, needs no nickname, the group, on the other end. What up, guys? What up? What up? What up? All right. Well, well, let's get into it because I'm pretty hyped about this episode and about this Rookie of the Year debate. Maybe we should have had this about a week ago when it was a little bit more of a debate because it feels like it's a, it's turning into a two-man race with LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. But what do you guys think? Do you guys think LaMelo's taking, taking the full head of steam on this race? Or do you feel like when Wiseman comes back, he's going to make it interesting? Brandon, send it over to you, my man. Um, I'm pretty sure LaMelo is leading literally every single stat for the rookies right now, including rebounds over Wiseman. So, yeah, uh, I would give it to LaMelo at this point. He's pretty much, I mean, he, he struggled his first you know, week or two, but since then he found a shot, which people weren't sure he was going to. He's, you know, There's a little misstep in the middle where he had to get benched because he wasn't playing defense and turning the ball over according to his coach. But, I mean, he's a rookie. That stuff's going to happen. He's, he's, has, uh, he's Magic Johnson light so far his rookie year. He's obviously made for Twitter where he'll get like seven points a game one time and then get like a ton of highlights on Twitter because he has a ton of passes. But he's he's definitely the best rookie right now. Ty- Tyrese Halliburton is inconsistent, but when he plays, he's he's a basketball player. He'll do anything he needs to do on the court to help you win. But LaMelo is just the best rookie so far this year. Yeah, seeing Terry Rozier go down and then have LaMelo get thrust in the starting lineup has really put him leg above what Tyrese Halliburton could have done. Uh, right now he's averaging 14 points, 6 assists, and six boards, and that's like Brandon said, Magic Johnson light as a rookie. That's that's Luka Doncic level. That's LeBron level in terms of the assists and the rebounds. You rarely see a rookie do that stuff. So, and he's also doing it with a three to one assist to turnover ratio. So, not amazing, but to only turn over the ball two times and have six times, that's that's very impressive. So, while Halliburton is doing everything right, he makes the right passes. He plays really good defense. He's probably a better defender than Lamelo. Just being in the starting spot that LaMelo is in, he's he's got the the vote for me. How about you, Abel? Yeah, man. I mean, realistically, this February, when he's actually getting 30-plus minutes, it's he's really started to flourish. I mean, in February, averaging 22-and-a-half. Like you said, 6-and-6 six six with rebounds, assists. The biggest thing for me in terms of the long term is his free throw percentage has been pretty solid, especially right now that he's getting more minutes. I mean, he's shooting 80% on the year, 79% on the year, but almost 90 or 
in month of February. And that's something that's important to me because as a young player, if you have confidence to knock down free throws, then you're going to try to get back there. And with LaMelo, something you definitely don't want him to do is settle for threes when he could be aggressive, drive to the rim. I, I saw it in the game when he, when they faced the, the Rockets. There, uh, We actually posted on our Twitter page another another little shout out there, but it was uh, company man. Yeah, company man, you know, but it was a play where he got the switch on DeMarcus Cousins and rather than fake DeMarcus Cousins in and then step back for a J, he just straight blew past him, got the foul, and that was, you know, the end of, of uh, you know, two dimes, also popped a three at the beginning of that segment that we posted. So that's the type of progression that will make him elite and I think makes him a perennial all-star in the future and Rookie of the Year favorite. Even though Tyrese Halliburton having a great year, the Kings will pro- might end up being a better team than the Hornets. And same thing with the Warriors. The Warriors might end up being a better team than the Hornets. But it's all about that consist- consistency. And it seems like LaMelo can be consistent day in and day out with those decision makings. And, I mean, the dimes are going to be there. The rebounds, he's pretty. He's a big guard, so that'll probably be there. Uh, the scoring is, might be a little inconsistent, but if he's making those decisions where he drives when he needs to and doesn't settle for jumpers, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, like you said, Abel, making the free throws is impressive. The only critique you could have on that is just uh, averaging two free throws a game is probably a little bit low for a guard of his yeah. stature. So yeah. If they want to see him improve in one area, it's definitely, like you said, being confident and going to the basket and getting those fouls, and then we're looking at uh, for sure, all star in the East if he can maintain this track record. Yeah, I mean, but it's been on the rise, man. I mean, especially against bigger teams like against the Heat, against the Bucks, fifteen uh, free throws combined, free throw attempts and makes one hundred percent in both of those games. That's legit. Yeah, so I mean, I think it takes that confidence to know, like, okay, I can if I'm aggressive, I can take this, I can take this man to the hole. I can, I'll probably get fouled as long as I go up strong. And I think little by little, I mean, throughout the year, he's already getting more and more free throws per game. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets he ends the season with around six free throws a game, which is obviously not where you want him to be. But it's I mean, it's as not a rookie, a bad, that's that, that's yeah. fine. I, that's the thing is he's he's so big. Like he's not big. Like he doesn't have a ton of weight on him. You'll probably assume he'll put some weight on as he goes. But he's still tall for a point guard. So if you're oh, gonna, six, another going to have another. Yeah, he's six seven. So if another team's gonna put their point guard on on him, like he has to just be aggressive and just get to the like rack every time. Like that's just the like he's just gonna have to be assertive and like maybe he just wants to be more of like a initiator than that score. But I think like for him to really reach a ceiling, like yeah, he's gonna have to be more aggressive offensively. Yeah, the only question marks I had about him coming into the year were can he play defense and how is he gonna respond to a coach when they get in his grill and say, I know you played this way your whole life, but that's not going to cut it anymore. You got to play my way or you're not going to get minutes. And when Borrego did that to him, that was the real test. And to see him show up and become an even better player, it's like, yeah, I, I think he has a rookie of the year locked up. But to bring it back to Tyrese Halliburton, he's averaging 29 minutes per game. He's got 12 points, 11.9, 5.4 assists, four rebounds, one steal and 1.5 turnovers. So 
while we were kind of hyping it up as it's not that close, looking at the numbers, Tyrese Halliburton really is making a good case for himself. I mean, those assist numbers really pop out because he's not the lead guard. And it's really showing that the Kings' best lineup is Buddy Heald at small forward, De'Aaron Fox at point guard, Tyrese Halliburton at shooting guard slash point guard, and then Harrison Barnes at power forward, and Rashawn Holmes at center. So this might be closer as the season goes on because with these numbers, Halliburton is in the conversation, especially averaging 29 minutes a game. So this might turn into a race, but right now the numbers that LaMelo is putting up are, are putting him just above what Tyrese Halliburton has done. Yeah, I mean, they, I feel like the Kings have to make a move to open up more playing time for Tyrese and more opportunities for him to compete. I mean, he's got the athletic ability. He's got the talent. You know, he's probably a little more polished than LaMelo. For LaMelo, it's more about the upside as the season progresses. But, I mean, obviously the dark horse coming into the year was James Wiseman just because of his fit with the Warriors. He's underperformed, and now with the injury, it almost feels like he's pretty much out of it. But you never really know. The Warriors are kind of getting it together nowadays. I'm sure he's still around the team, and he sees everything that's going on around them. And... With that happening, he could he could be in tune for a big second half to make this this race a little bit more interesting. I mean, obviously that's what we'd love to see is competitive races in terms of these yearly awards. But right now it's looking like a Mellows to lose. I mean, that one's a little more straightforward where it's a two-headed race with some uh, some a possible dark horse in Wiseman, but one of the more interesting ones and personally, we've been hyping it up in terms of there's a bunch of candidates for this is most improved. I mean, we've been hyping it up on this podcast, just how deep this race is, more deep than in recent years. And there was there's so it's so deep, we had to get rid of some names that we wanted to include because they're having great years. But it's just so deep that we couldn't even we, we had to boil it down to like a top five type top six. Um, I mean, Brandon, I know you're pretty hyped about uh Someone in particular, would you like to give us the low key on who you're feeling? So it's a matter if he comes back from injury and how long he's out. But Christian Wood is the winner so far into this into the season. When you just look at his stats, he went from averaging 13 points and six rebounds last year on 20 minutes a game with Detroit, which he had a couple of good games towards the end. But now he jumped in. I could give you a blind player test and give you numbers to player A and player B, and you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Christian Wood and Anthony Davis right now. And that might sound crazy, but that's how good he's been this year. He's averaging 22 points, 10 10 boards, with 42% from three, 55% from the field, with 1.55 blocks a game. He's probably like Houston's best player and is a big part of why they're competitive as they are, but I, I, I mean, there's a lot of good names. I think Mikel Bridges would be my number two after how maybe not flashy numbers, but jumping up to that 14, 15 point mark, being efficient, being good defensively. He's, I think he's up there, but I think Christian Wood's probably my winner so far. Joe, what do you, what do you think? Are you also in on Christian Wood or you got someone else in mind? I love that pick. He's been amazing through 17 games. The injuries are what are kind of taking him out for me, but it's not its not really anything against his game. I, My pick right now has to be Jalen Brown on the Boston Celtics. Last year, he was averaging 20 points a game, and this year he's up to 26 while providing five and a half boards, three assists, and one steal. And 
really he's just kind of stepped into the role of being the number one guy while they have Jason Tatum. It's hard to say that, but Jason Tatum has missed more games than Brown this year, and that's why those numbers are up. And I mean, it's a one A one B at this point. I don't know if Tatum's is. the number one at this like anymore. It is anybody that's still saying Tatum is the number one guy probably hasn't watched enough Boston and Celtics basketball this year because the things that Jalen is doing on offense and then also guarding the best guy on the other team, the best forward on the other team are that's like top ten first team All NBA shit. So he's he's really cemented himself in my opinion in this most improved because. He was already really good, and then to go to this level, he's he's in the top 10, top 15 in the league in terms of his position and just the league at large. So Jalen Brown is I mean, all, going from all-star, like potential all-star to like MVP candidate is an improvement, you know? It like, is. He definitely, he definitely improved this year for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things is, let's see if, it, if, if it's upheld with Kemba being back. Jason Tatum, like you said, hasn't been totally healthy, and they've had COVID issues. So once he's back, if he's able to sustain those, I think you hit it on the head that it's going to be hard to vote against Jalen Brown in just the leaps that he's taken. Because clearly, I mean, Marcus Smart might say otherwise, but he's he's the best defender on that team, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm really surprised that none of you guys said Jeremy Grant. I wasn't even going to bring him up necessarily, but the the shade of not discussing him is a little... A little no, worrisome. He's he's, he's in right. the conversation for sure. You're definitely right. I, yeah, I yeah. Think. I mean, the biggest thing against them is that the Pistons are low key trash. Besides taking the when they face the Lakers, you know they'll get a little competitive in there. But the, I think the five wins they have are against like the top like seven teams in the league. But then they just lose to like every other team. Well, when they they beat the Sixers, but the Sixers didn't have a bead. <laughs> and funny enough, that's when when I talked about it that. That was one of the biggest cases for Embiid for MVP was the fact that they lost to the Pistons without him. Thanks. And pretty substantially, I believe. Not, mm-hmm. not even then necessarily a close game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to, to score averaging 24 a game, you know, shooting 87% from free throw, almost thirty, almost 39% from three, and, you know, still has the, the block numbers 1.2, one steal a game, pretty consistent all around. That the, Those are great numbers that, you didn't really expect from him. Sure, the opportunity was going to be there. We knew that when he was coming to Detroit, he picked it because of the opportunity. But then to capitalize on it, and realistically, who knows how bad the Pistons would be. Would they even win a game if Jeremy Grant was there? Blake Griffin is essentially a no-show. You know, Killian Hayes, who was their first overall pick, not even with the team. I mean, he's still he's still out, which, you know, sad to see because Killian Hayes was one of a uh, my personal favorites coming into the draft, and I know you guys kind of feel the same way. So yeah, and he just hasn't looked good when he played, honestly. Yeah, he didn't look good. His so passing was there. He yeah, he still was a good there. passer. So that's that's what they need on this team too, because they really don't have any good passers. Yeah, it just seemed like yeah. he was forcing the ball, you know, on drives and trying to just do too much in terms of scoring. Where you already have Blake Griffin, you already got guys that are trying to force the ball into the hoop. So you don't need another one of those. And w- I'm not even necessarily saying that that's my pick in Jeremy Grant. I just thought the disrespect of you guys not even mentioning him. Mentioning him. No, that that that's valid. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely valid. You know, you guys are, you guys are on one for that one. Yo, that's you, for damn you, sure. you said it at the top. It's a, it's a deep field. It's a deep field. Everybody can win. So that's a guy that's not about to say Jeremy Grant for his Yeah, yeah you've I also know, said you're not picking him. <laughs> hey, man, hey, don't come at me. Don't kill the messenger, all right, yeah, guys? No, I'm just thanks. I'm just putting you guys on blast. Don't turn this on me, all right? Just to put a bow on the Jeremy Grant case, I would say the biggest improvement is really his three-point shooting. He was on the Low Post podcast last week, and Zach Lowe asked him, uh, how many threes did he think he was shooting off the dribble? And I believe at the time, Zach said he was average. He had 27 threes off the dribble so far for the Detroit Pistons. And then when Zach asked him how many he had in his whole career prior to this season, it was less than 27. So, like, it's insane to see him add this to his game so seamlessly, whereas any other player that would do this, they would not be as successful as he's been. And it just showed he bet on himself, and it completely paid off. And you kind of swung me, Abel. I feel pretty stupid, but I think Jeremy Grant is the most improved player of the year. Just to go from 12 to 24 points and to be the focal point of this team, like you said, they would be – they would be even worse than the worst team. The, the thing league. is, they're, they're bad be... though. They're the by far the worst team in the league with him as a vocal that's, point. So I think that that's tough. like a point. It's tough. You're right. That's the only reason why I didn't pick him. That's literally the only reason why I didn't pick him. And for me, that's the big difference on the guy that I am gonna pick, which is Deontay Murray. Because the counting stats aren't even. I mean, Jeremy Grant. You put him side by side. You're like, I'm taking Jeremy Grant on this. Uh, you know, as a player, if it's you have player A, player B, like you were saying. But for Deontay Murray to give like an older Spurs team, a five seed in, I mean, you guys know how I always say, you know, competitive West, but to give them a five seed over the trailblazers who are, I mean, obviously don't have CJ McCollum, but the nuggets Kings have been playing really well. Warriors, even Grizzlies and the Mavs. Like that's, that's an improvement in and of itself. Even if he's not necessarily improving on anything besides his shooting percentages, I think that's huge, and that's why I picked Deontay Murray as my most improved currently. Being able to see him just do step-back threes, I mean, hit that clutch three against the Mavs, or not even, I think it might have been a two, but hit that, you know, step-back against the Mavs, or against the Warriors yes. to secure the game. Yes. Like, I never thought coming out of college that that's what he was going to be. We knew he was going to be a defensive stopper. You know, We knew he was going to get steals. He was going to lock down guys on the defensive end. But if he adds that, man, that's another guy where the sky's the limit. And if he doesn't make an all-star game this year, I don't think next year he goes without making that all-star team because he's, he's I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be hard to crack the West like as a point guard. Like there's going to be – he's he's got a, some people ahead of him for sure that he's going to have to jump over, and it's yeah. not going to be easy. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. And I'm, t- I'm trust me, I know it's a hot take, but I'm really high on Deontay Murray. It's uh he he could easily if he could easily be the he's the future of the Spurs and if the Spurs start making some moves, uh, what are you shaking your head, Brandon? You disagree? Who's the future of the Spurs? They have pieces that are part of the future, but they don't have a guy like they he's need, the guy. They still need he's a, the guy. He's not he's not a guy that could lead your offense. You think he could be the your? I think he could take that leap. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You think he could be a a, a number one scorer on a championship team? Um, I mean, not necessarily number one scorer, but I mean, he could be one of the best players on the championship team, top th- top two at least. He could he could be the one and two, but defensively, he's probably your best defender. I mean, I think there's no reason if you if you like Shea G- SGA, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, like I think Deontay Murray's like same skill set. Can you know you could build around them? Mm-hmm. Shea is uh, I think much better o- offensively. 
He's a little sure, more he's polished, but he, yeah. he's a better shooter. He's more polished, but Deontay's essentially starting to take that mold where he's starting to do step back jumpers. He's starting to work more on like the floater and just work on his offensive game. I mean, and I think he was just such I, a not. He's just turned into a, a viable offensive player. But like, what you're suggesting is that he's going to turn into a great offensive player, and I feel like that's a whole nother leap for him to go, which is possible. I think it's just asking a lot. I mean, at, to defend Abel's point, I think at 15 points a game, he's he's slightly above average. I, I like last year when he was at 11. Yeah, he was probably viable, but 15 points a game in the Western Conference, the Spurs, I think, have had a tougher schedule by comparison. I mean, he's solid. He just, I think, he's more of a Drew Holiday player. You know, I don't think that's he's going to be ever. Yeah, that's a good comp. I think he's defensive. I think on the defensive end, he'll probably he, be better, he's than, be better Drew. than Drew. He'll yeah, be better and he's than better Drew. than Shea. That's, right. that's whoa, what I'm saying. Whoa, 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 boys! Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders. Of the last like ten years, so that's high praise. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Deontay Murray's really good. I'm just saying, Drew Holiday's guarded Kevin Durant in the playoffs, so let's let's slow the brakes a little bit. He, he's good though. I'm, I'm I'm totally with you, Abel. He's he's a hey, good. When Deontay Murray gets opportunity, man, he might throw the clamps on LeBron. Who we'll who see. who knows? We'll see. You know? And if he's it. throwing the clamps on on LeBron or KD, well, maybe not KD because they're in the East, but yeah. I mean, when they get to the finals, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, when the Spurs win the championship and Deontay Murray wins finals MVP, we're going to look back on this. come back to the receipts. Yeah, yeah, and and you guys are going to have a real different tune. Let's just say that, all right? Real real different kick to your step. (laughs) I'll feel you. But, I I mean, that's a hot take. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a hot take, but it's just like, for me, it's like, it just comes down to the eye test and the fact that the Spurs are winning. I mean, the Spurs... They're not the sexiest team. They do it with, you know, highest uh, assist to turnover ratio. Anchorage. And, and yeah, Anchorage, <laughs> defensive ability. You know, So they're not sexy, but they're beating good teams. They're beating good teams. And every single time, I mean, they just beat the Celtics. They just beat the Warriors. And every time they go up against everyone, you know it's going to be a close game or a competitive game. Yeah. You know, They don't get blown if, out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that that's the difference maker for me. I mean, you trade Jeremy Grant for Murray right now. Is there any difference to their teams? Um, no, because the Pistons are trash. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, the fact that you're picking them over Jay, Jeremy Grant after you gave your whole spiel is just wild to me. But are the Spurs better with Jeremy Grant? I don't think the Spurs are, are going to be better. better with I don't Grant. think the Spurs are going to be better. I think they're this. They're close to the same team. I think they're the same. They're the same team. That's what I'm saying. That, that's why I feel like you're I think the Spurs the, are better with Deontay you're giving Murray the Spurs, than Jeremy. You're giving the Spurs or Murray credit for how good the Spurs are. Like he's a big part of it, but I don't mean he's not like. I think they got a solid team there, you know, and just Pop going to get the most out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, but I I think the Spurs would be better with Deontay Murray compared to Jeremy Grant just because they you know they have wings there. Um the Pistons it doesn't really matter. They actually got a lot of guards, I think. They got too many guards, I think, on on the Spurs. They have a lot. Yeah, they do have a lot of guards, but they also, you know, I feel like they got a lot of backcourt help, which is which is what you guys like, are. Like they need to so. give us out some minutes. Like he barely plays because they just have so many people. But that's the pop like, way. Lonnie, you know? Lonnie Walker, like Lonnie Walker gets minutes, but he doesn't have offensive like he's inconsistent offensively because he's just there's only so much offense that can kind of go around, but they just they're they're too deep. I feel like without too many like without a guy. They need but there, I mean, that's that's the leap from like I mean, Lonnie Walker is a great guy. Shout out the U, go Canes, baby. You know, I'll <laughs> say that all day. But but you know, I think that's a big leap from from Deontay Murray and Lonnie Walker. And yeah, I, I mean, just, Lonnie Walker's I, not there yet. 
But that's why I, I feel like Lonnie Walker, like these, like Vassell could be really good. I think he's just gonna get buried in the rotation. But he's today. also like another guy. He's like what Deontay was when he came out of college. You know, he's a defensive stopper, but his shots inconsistent. He's one of those guys where you see him shoot the ball and you're like, oh, I don't know how I'm feeling about this right now. And then until it goes in or bricks, you know, and then you're like, all right, now now I know how to feel about it. But whenever yeah, but it's you can in only the air, get you could you can't get much of a rhythm in 12 minutes, you know. Yeah, I let him cook. Yeah, I let my guy cook, bro. Yeah, I guess, I guess, but it's just like you don't really need to when Deontay's cooking. You know, you already know what you're getting, and he could cook quick. But I mean, is there anyone else that you guys feel like you're not giving enough credit? We're not giving enough respect. Honorable mention to Malik Beasley. <laughs> oh man, even after catching the case, you still the wolves the... are trash. I'm not gonna judge him on a human being that's above <laughs> above me. That's not up for me to decide. Yeah, but for as sure. a basketball player. I mean, so he did have 14 games last year with the Wolves, averaging 20 points a game, and he's basically averaging 20 points a game with the Wolves. So like he's the not, same player. It's not a but, but he played 14 points or 14 games with the Wolves. He averaged seven points a game for like more than half the season with the 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 Nuggets before he went to the Wolves. He like averaged like 10 points a game in total last year. Now he jumped up to 20 points a game. He's 83 point, 83% from the free throw line, 38% from the uh three, 45% from the field. Like he's just a good offensive player. Honestly, I think he should be a trade deadline guy, but knowing the Wolves, they think he's going to be locked into their future and he's he should be a guy that teams should be targeting that could help them offensively. Yeah, as a longtime Malik Beasley fan, I liked him at Florida State. I never knew why the Nuggets traded him in the first place. They need someone to play defense who can guard small forwards and shooting guards, and they literally gave him up for nothing. What the fuck are you doing, Kroenke and Nuggets front office? They don't ever make or take risks. They don't pay for dudes who have earned it. We saw it with Jeremy Grant. We like Even before that, we saw that when they traded Beasley. So, yeah, if this was... Most improvement after he got traded, for sure. But he's he's a good player, and he's just basically proving that he's a good player. It's it's weird because it doesn't really affect the T Wolves in any way. They're still just as bad as the Pistons, in my opinion, just hot garbage. But so I think we need to really have a serious indictment on the Nuggets. You let Malik Beasley and Jeremy Grant both walk away, who turn into twenty point per game scorers. Granted, on terrible teams, but it just shows that they like had depth last year that they clearly could have used this year, and they. Let these guys just walk away for nothing, and they've turned into solid NBA players. So, yeah, that's no one's really like Nuggets are looked at as a pretty solid run franchise, but an organization. But I think they, yeah, they definitely deserve huge misses, dude. Huge misses. Those are great players, not great players, but good rotational players that Jokic would definitely benefit. Well, to great play with. rotational players, they're, yeah, they're good players, they're great rotational players. Yeah. You want, you yeah. want Jeremy Grant, you know, playing defense. In crunch time, you want Malik Beasley off the bench scoring a punch. You or know, even you starting. Those guys. Beasley should yeah. be starting on this team, you know, with Gary Harris missing seemingly every other game. Like, they need or a solid rotational player in yeah, Malik Beasley. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, they miss I him mean, he's now. better than Will Barton. Yeah, he's definitely he's better, better than Will Barton. Barton. That's, oh, yeah, that's not he, up he for can't debate. defense. Yeah. Will Barton was good like three years ago when he was a 20-point-per-game scorer, but he's it's three years later, and he hasn't improved on he, defense. He, he has flashes every now and then, but like he's just kind of who he is. You know, He'll have a game where he drops 25, and then he'll just go back to 7 points, 12 points. Like He just does what he needs to do, but yeah, Beasley's just a better version of that, basically. Yeah. If we're going to shout out anybody else for this award, I would say... Gordon Hayward kind of returning to form uh, what he did in Utah, averaging 20... 20- point one or 21.9 i think you said points per game now he's at 22 and 
he's obviously the main focal point on that team without Gordon Hayward. I don't think LaMelo has as much success as he's had. And he's he's just shown that he's kind of worthy of that max contract that everybody really balked at because he didn't show it in Boston. And he's he's really shown that he's worth that salary. So shout out Gordon Hayward. He, he definitely deserves honorable mention for this. Yeah, man. And honestly, I mean, he's looking like a great leader for LaMelo. Mm-hmm. I think he's able to take over when he needs to and whenever you know because yeah he's a shot creator he's initiator like he could kind of yeah like you said like he could take over like take the pressure off of Lamelo. yeah because the, the worst thing you want right now is for Melo, for Lamelo's progression is for his confidence to go down or for him to force things and stuff like that the fact that they have gordon hayward it creates a nice flow and that improvement just to the team i mean that's that's one of the that's one of the things where jeremy grant great improvement as a personal player Gordon Hayward, great improvement to the team. He's improved the Hornets into a competitive team that is going to play hard every night. That's a smart team, you know, young, exciting. So that definitely props to to Gordon Hayward. And, you know, a little shout-out, I I did draft him on the fantasy squad, so I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back on that one. But another guy that we didn't really talk about is Julius Randle. I know all the Knicks fans been pretty excited about Julius Randle, but he's in, in terms of value over replacement, he's up in, we, we, we made a list before this about guys that were in the conversation and Julius Randle had the best value over replacement between all those guys. He's almost at 1.5, which actually he's right there with like Kawhi in terms of value over replacement, which it's a little skewed because it's so early in the year, but it still just goes to show how, key he's been for that Knicks team that's trying to develop young guys in terms of R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, even though D. Rose and Tom Thibodeau say otherwise, that they don't want to develop him by just throwing that into the mix. But that's a that's a move that, once again, improves the team, improves the direction that they're trying to go to. And people got to give respect when it's due, even if even if it is the Knicks. Which, so what do you do with Julius Randle? Trade him? Do you max him out this offseason? Do you just let him walk, which would be what the Knicks probably will do? Like, yeah, they'll probably like, just let him walk. I, I think I think <laughs> they they have to max him because he's, he's basically done what people thought he was going to do when he graduated from Kentucky because his assist numbers right now are double what they were last year. He's averaging six assists a game, 11 boards, and 22.7 points. Like, that is straight up all star shit. I don't know how the Knicks, who have been a laughing stock of a franchise for however long, could look at a guy like this and be like, "Yeah, we don't need him." Like that would just be so fucked up. So I think they have yeah. to max him. I mean, do you think a team trades for him for a, like a half year rental on an expiring contract? It's a tough sell because he's really putting up all these points because he is the focal point of the team. So the the trade would have to go down with him accepting probably a secondary role because I still don't think that he's going to be the number one guy in a championship no, no, team. No, no, no. That's why I'm yeah, saying if no. a contender, I think if like, I mean, so I don't like think the, the Clippers, Bla- like the Blazers, I would say. Right. Like the, I, I, the Clippers would be nice. They could definitely use him. I just don't know if they have the assets to. But like just any cont- contending team, you think like they you think it'd be worth it for a half year rental? Depending on what you give up, I guess. Would you trade like a first round pick for a half year I mean, it probably take more than that. I mean, if the it Knicks would aren't definitely stupid, take more than that. If the yeah. Knicks aren't dumb. Yeah, especially with that, I mean, the way trades have been going on this year. I mean, 
teams just, just, just throw If they're going to let him walk, they might just take whatever they can get, though. You know, if, like, if they're set on not maxing him, they might just take, like, whatever you want to give us, we'll take it just so we don't just lose him for nothing. So I, I, you're saying they should just max him. I think they should max him as well, though. Yeah. Yeah, because just because clearly it's working where rj barrett's like the best rj so you give you give him a max you give him a max it's full full max i mean try to minimize the years you maybe like four year max i mean he's young what's his age how old is he right now he's only 26 so so you're so, not I mean, it, yeah it's not a bad deal. if you get him for a three-year contract like but this is but like is this a contract year though because like he's been like this is not his like just like just out of his rookie year like this is like gonna be his third contract after his rookie contract like he signed to new orleans for a little bit then he signed to new york and now all of a sudden he's turning into this player like is this like real you think this is the real julius randall that finally put it together or is this kind of like oh he's just hot for a month and like he's gonna fall off no man it's real i think his mid-range has really progressed and become way more consistent because the biggest thing from back in the day is he, he when he was on like on the Pelicans is he could only really back you down in the post and bully you in the paint and that's what you wanted him to do. And this year he's really becoming a face up, I'll pop a mid-range jumper in your eye. He's shooting almost 40% from 3 so he can get threes if he really needs to, you know, like and something else that I was about to say is RJ Barrett is looking like the best he's ever looked in an NBA uniform yeah but still but that's the confidence of having a Julius Randle that you could play a two-man game with you know if he didn't have Julius Randle like who's he gonna do the two-man game with Mitchell Robinson like it's just yeah exactly so I'm not even saying like necessarily max him because of who he is as a player even though he's progressed and become a really good player but almost like a Gordon Hayward situation where it helps out RJ the development it's it's literally like you need these three years to develop RJ and Julius Randle gives you your best opportunity because if you bring somebody else in like you don't really know how it's gonna go there's no guarantee yet there's no guarantee exactly so like doing those two-man games and then try to develop IQ and quickly and then try to and then try to see who else you can get. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone else is d- dispensable. I mean, Mitchell Robinson could end up being a really good defender. Dude just has to stop fouling and stay in games. But I mean, they got a they got a solid core, and I feel like they don't really have they aren't throwing money like crazy. Um, but knowing James Dolan, he's probably gonna let him walk and then just scrap the whole year and end up with like an eighth pick or something. The only thing is, is like it's up to Julius Randle at this point, though. Like I said, he's gonna be unrestricted, so like. You're just relying on him to choose the Knicks. Like, if I'm the Knicks, I'd almost just, like, accept, like take the L and then know that he's probably not going to want to sign with us and just trade him for what I can get. If you got some kind of, like, co- like guarantee that he's going to sign, then yeah. But, I mean, he's going to have options. After the year he's had this year, he's going to have options. So, like, I don't know if it's a guarantee that he's just going to re-sign with it. I mean, the Knicks are looking a lot better this year. They might not be the same Knicks organization that, you know, we thought they were. But So, if they are going to be a different organization, maybe he does – just you know, stick around. But I don't know if it's a guarantee that he's just gonna be like, yeah, dude, I'll just let my prime career, you know, wither away in and the Knicks, you know, like I don't know if that's the best situation for him. I feel like he's seen other roles though. Like you said, this is his third contract, and I think he really does. Obviously, this is all speculation. I don't have a inside source of Julius Randle. I'm not texting him on the side, but. I think he, you know, he would like the situation he's in, and more likely than not, come back because at that point, I mean, who can pay him a max contract? I mean, I he th- did get, yeah, that is true. Like, like I don't know if people are gonna like be willing to, but I don't know. I mean, let's go through the list of the worst teams. So 
with the Kings do it. Dude, honestly, if the Kings do it, I think they're a legit playoff team next year. Yeah, and the Kings might be a situation where, I mean, he's going to – De'Aaron Fox, a super attractive player to play with. I mean, you if know? he just – And he's also he a good basketball Marvin player. Bagley, if he replaced Marvin Bagley and was actually good and, like – because, like, they have Harrison Barnes, like, that's, closing games at the four. That's he's the been problem. pretty solid. Yeah. But, like – He's been amazing. This is, like, like his trade. best year as a pro. Yeah. But, like, I don't know how much you rely on Harrison Barnes going forward. I would say I almost rely on him just as much as I rely on Julius Randle and that they're good players, but they've never done it in the biggest moments. So it's – I mean, they'd have to trade Harrison Barnes. If they trade Harrison Barnes, I'm with you guys because Harrison Barnes can't play small forward anymore, in my opinion. He's better as a power forward. Yeah, for I mean, me, he, he starts at small forward, and then like five minutes into the game, he just like moves over to power forward every time. Yeah, I don't know. For me though, I feel like Harrison Barnes just is like anti their pace. You know, the he Kings is. with De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, like they can be a fast-paced team. Yeah, Harrison and Barnes is a ball stopper. I feel like. every He's time totally. I see Harrison Barnes getting the ball, I'm like, dude, this is gonna take like thirty <laughs> seconds, man. I'm yeah. like, come on, bro, but. Whereas Julius Randle, I'm like, all right, this guy's either going to drive it to the rim, dish it out, and try to get open for three. So I feel like that's it just fits their mold a lot better. And I think it, the Kings are a dark horse. Like they could do it. I mean, Trailblazers might be doing it just to get some inside help for CJ and Dame. I mean, there there might be teams that max them. I just I, I don't think the Knicks are the least attractive option for him, especially having the success. They do have a young core. I don't know how anybody feels about Tibbs around the league anymore. You know, I don't know what his reputation is. Obviously, as a Bulls fan, uh, you know, I got my own opinion. But who knows, like, you know, how they how he views that in the ownership. I mean, they're better this year. I mean, there's not much of a difference this year than the team they had last year. And besides Tibbs, so, like, he's clearly, he's clearly made them better. Better, you know, for better or worse, like RJ might not make it through the season playing 40 minutes a game, but right now they're just better than they were last year. Yeah, he's getting results. So, like Abel said, it's like if Julius Randle meshes with Tibbs, like uh, Jimmy Butler does, and like a Derrick Rose, then yeah, this this is a hand in glove fit because he's clearly maximizing all of the things that Randle is good at. But at the same time, if Randle doesn't want to have three hour walkthroughs the day after a game and all the things that Tibbs yeah. does, where like he treats basketball like it's more than a nine to five, like then yeah, that would be the only reason that the unrestricted shit will come up and it could bite the Knicks in the ass. But I, I kind of side with Abel in that this is the best situation for him. It's the Mecca of basketball. And he could be looked at as like the guy who gets them out of the shit that they've been in for, I don't know, like 40 years at this point. So I, I think he's probably going to bet on himself and stay in New York. If I had to guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll see though. We'll see. Honestly, Funny enough, I mean, we hit it. We were pretty spot on saying that most improved, we're going to get heated, and we got a lot of takes because we didn't even get to MVP. We haven't even gotten to MVP, and that's obviously a fan favorite that everybody loves talking about who's going to win the MVP. So clearly there's some front runners. Some people have kind of gotten into the race. I'm just going to go out right out and say it. Embiid is looking like a beast. And he's my favorite to win MVP. If I had to pick right now, Embiid, just the Sixers look like a whole different team in terms of their confidence, in terms of how deadly they are. And he's looking great in the post. He's look, His decision-making's on point. Uh, I, I saw an article that he's in the best shape of his life, which I feel like you could see it. There was even a play where he like half hyperextended his knee. I feel like if he wasn't in the best shape of his life, he could have actually gotten injured. 
But since he's so conditioned, he's well-nourished. The sky's the limit, and he's my favorite right now. But uh, any anybody else disagree with me? Anybody else you guys got on your mind, Joe? Uh, so I I have to say it's LeBron for me. But before I go into that, I, I want to carry on with what you said for Embiid. The, the biggest thing for me is his shooting off the dribble. Uh, I want to say he has not really had this in his bag, and he's just like totally added it, especially from three. Right now he's shooting 390 from three or 39%, sorry. But that's that's the best of his career. So like you take Embiid, who is already an amazing force in the post, uh, passing out of double teams, just a great isolation player and add 39% from three. And this is kind of what we all thought he could be in his rookie year, or not his rookie year, but the first year that he actually started playing games, he averaged 37% from three. So to see him get back to this, and he, and he regressed every year since that. So to see him get back to 39% is huge. And it just really emphasizes how fucking unguardable he is because guys close out on him on three. And then he's so big, his strides allow him to get past pretty much any center and finish through contact, whether it's a small forward, point guard, whoever at the back line of defense, he, he goes through them and gets hand ones like it's his fucking job because it is. But anyway, to go into LeBron, the things that LeBron are doing this year are not really any different. It's just that he just won the championship. Obviously, you guys watch the NBA, but he's averaging 34 and a half minutes per game. And that's like got to be among like the top 25. So to win a championship, have the shortest offseason of anyone, average 20, 34 minutes a game, and then 25 points per game, eight assists, eight boards, and be leading the best team in the Western Conference is just like, I, I don't know how we could pick someone else other than Joel Embiid because what LeBron is doing is, we say it every year, but it's just unfucking precedented. I don't know how this dude is able to do it. And it and it's like we don't give it to him enough, so it's like we have to give him this one after the offseason that he had and then to rebound and just keep it going like nothing changed. He's he's the same guy. I, I don't know how he does it. Man, hot take that we don't give LeBron enough credit. I, I mean, everybody <laughs> says it. And this it's, LeBron guy, he's pretty underrated. Yeah, it's, hey, man, people don't talk about this LeBron guy. Dude, you know? <laughs> they really don't, though. I swear to God, man. Like, he's he's just so good that we just see these numbers and everybody just thinks, like, that's just a typical game, but no one else does this shit. Like, at this point, he's he's yeah. earned another MVP. Like, we've, we've passed over him the last two years for Giannis, and I just – it can't stand. He needs this one. He's earned it. He should be the MVP in my opinion. I don't think he's missed a game yet, right? Does he miss a game? If I had to no, check, I think so. no, he's played so, all twenty-five. Which is even games. crazier. Yeah, that's yeah, that's which nuts, is even crazier. Dude. Playing thirty-five minutes a game, or yeah, yeah there's 35. no there's no resting going on. In the-, the thing is, his his PER is he's he's twelfth in the league in PER right now. Like he does what he needs to do for them to win, but like LeBron is just not going nuclear. Like we've seen LeBron when he wants to go full LeBron mode, it's what he did in the finals last season, where he did like a thirty-point triple double on like sixty percent shooting like right now he's just having a normal lebron year which is just a really good 25 8 and 8 year which is great and i one think seed. he probably is like one seed he's, he's got the yeah i agree but i think the sixers also have the one seed and beat is averaging 29 points a game which is just wild he's like you said 39 percent from the uh three he's in the conversation for defense player of the year like i think Embiid is the mvp for me so far i think lebron 
I would give it to LeBron over Jokic. I think I know Jokic is getting a lot of buzz. I know Jokic. I, for me, Jokic will will revisit this at towards the end of the year when maybe they're probably in the third seed and they just, he just goes on a tear. But right now, I don't think Jokic. I think he's getting a little too much consideration considering how their team is because you look at Steph Curry who has the exact same or exact same record pretty much. And you look at guys like Luca, who's not really succeeding, and Steph Curry and Luca aren't really getting any consideration. But people think Jokic deserves consideration, even though, again, he's like in the A seed right now. I think at, the Nuggets will probably move up by the end of the year, which will make Jokic move up. But for me, Embiid I think is uh, the winner. I mean, Ka- Kawhi I think is a dark horse, but right now it's Embiid for me. Yeah, I mean, there's some dark horses early in the year, but I think. You can't deny what Embiid and LeBron have brought to their teams and made their teams so competitive and so so good. I mean, obviously someone else is like Donovan Mitchell that should be getting praised because the Jazz are actually the one seed in the West. and But that's, I think, a little bit more of a team effort, a little bit more of Mike Conley getting it together, getting comfortable with playing with Donovan Mitchell because, you know, Donovan Mitchell does have his own game even though Mike Conley can fit into anything. But yeah, Donovan you know, Donovan Mitchell deserves some praise. We'll see how it plays out, and we'll see if he takes a little bit of a more statistical leap rather than just the record. But that's something you shouldn't overlook. Obviously, winning is what matters. If Jordan taught us one thing growing up, winning is what matters. Same thing Kobe. Shout out Kobe. But someone that is getting recognition, and rightfully so, got paid mad money because of this thing is my defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. That's something where he's clearly always in the top three in terms of defenders and just having Utah's success being at such a high level. I think for me, it's, it's him. Obviously I love, you know, I love Embiid and he's made a big difference for his team, but Gobert with that record, you got to give him some respect. I know you guys are going to, Give me a little pushback on that one, though, guys. What you think? I mean, honestly, he's definitely, like, he's just in the conversation every year. I think he's just, I, I would probably give it to Miles Turner this year based on just how insane Miles Turner has been this year. He's had, like, multiple, like, seven, eight, like, block games, which is, like, is just unheard of. And, like, he just, like, he get, pretty much gets, like, th- at least a minimum of three blocks every game. He, I think Gobert is probably probably the better defender but miles turner is having a career year this year i think we'll see if uh, he comes a little down to earth towards the end of the year as he kind of has the last couple weeks but i don't know i I think so far miles turner might get it for me yeah to to agree with what you're saying on turner he's like you said he's leading the league in blocks he's averaging 3.7 or 3.6 per game so that's that's pretty eye-popping uh by comparison Gobert is averaging 2.7, which is a career high for him as well. But the difference with Turner is that I think he's a little bit better on the perimeter, whereas Gobert can get lost and basically be turned into someone on skates when he has to guard other guards. So I would give Turner a slight nod, and I would say because I did not pick Embiid for for MVP, I would also just throw a curveball in there and say Embiid should win the DPOI because – they can't be this successful without Embiid's defense. He's been able to do this since he came into the league. His at-rim defense is, I don't know. I mean, Gobert is the only one who comes close. So 
I'm giving it to Embiid just based on their record and the fact that LeBron's my MVP. Embiid deserves some love for DPOY. You almost double dipped right there. You're like, I love me some Miles Turner, but no, that's not yeah. who I really love. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. But, I mean, know, Turner, talking out of both sides of your mouth on that one. I man, am only up? because Turner deserves credit. I feel like every year we want him to be this player and to see him do it this year, especially just accepting his role and realizing that he's not going to be an offensive focal point like Zabonis, and he's accepting that he can shoot threes and block shots at an elite level, which is like some shit every team should want. So. Turner gets second for me for those two reasons. And I, I guess Gobert just kind of has become like uh, a little bit stale in terms of, like you guys said, he's in the conversation every year. It's nice to see someone new get it. So Yeah, it's not the sexiest pick. No. Um, but, I mean, Miles Turner, we've all loved him coming out of Texas. And it's it's been awesome finally seeing him turn it around and become, you know, a, a three and D guy as a big, it's not. I really think the Pacers finally just embraced him and Sabonis being on the court at the same time. I feel like they really wanted to like separate them and stagger them, and like n- neither of them were a- ever able to like thrive the last couple years. But now I think they just like yeah, like like offensively Sabonis is probably our five, and and Turner's gonna be at the perimeter, but defensively Turner's our five, and he's just gonna be able to block anything that comes in the paint. So I think the Pacers have just embrace the duo of them and they've both been able to play well together this whole year. Yeah, man, that's been their identity. I mean, obviously Brogdon's been, been key, but that front court identity, that's a, that's a rough duo to play against both offensive defensively. They really stretch you out and you know, they're a presence both ways. It's old school. It's not something yeah. that a lot of teams do. So it's, it catches a lot of teams off guard. Yeah. They're taking it back, man. Brogdon looks like he played in the sixties. Miles Turner looks like he played in the 60s and so does Sabonis. So. <laughs> I don't that's think any cool. of them got any tats either, man. They're really taking it all school. They're a very clean-cut team, man. They're, they're fun <laughs> Indiana, Indiana, man. Indiana. Yeah, that's, that's Indiana. weird. Yeah. It's the identity they got to take on. You know, <laughs> shout out, shout out uh, Cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Turner at least shoots threes and Sabonis passes, though, I feel like gives him a little bit. Dynamic. Just a dose of, uh, yeah, modernness to them. Yeah, sure. hey, they, they'd be the sexiest 60 uh, players from the 60s for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, they'd be revolutionizing that for sure. Yeah. Yes. Turner yeah. hit a three. They'd be like, what yeah. the hell is happening? Is he a witch? They'd <laughs> be like, dude, that, that guy's got telepathic powers. <laughs> yeah. man. We got we to gotta look into this guy. I don't know Change where he's from. Yeah. It's a lab somewhere, man. A lab in Nebraska. <laughs> I don't know. A lab in Texas. <laughs> for real. Yeah, that's how the X-Men started was Miles Turner popping the three, man. That's, that's how the story started right yep. All right, guys. Well, honestly, solid show. I mean, we all got takes. It's early in the year, but these players have earned this recognition, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, I think where everyone is, these projections and these these picks that we made could easily end up being the final final picks. But you never know, man. Injuries come to play. Trades come to play. Gonna have to wait and see. And you're just going to have to tune in on the next one and check out what we got to say. Peace. Later.